All right. Um, Teach these things. Teach these things. Uh, A few, probably four or five years ago, back when I was still a youth pastor, I was reading through 1 and 2 Timothy, and I was noticing that there are these words that continue to come up a couple of times, a handful of times. And it, it says something like this, teach these things. And my thought was, if this is what we're instructed to teach, then doesn't it make sense that we would teach these things? If Scripture is saying, teach these things, wouldn't it make sense that we would teach these things? And my thought was, I, I actually wanted, back then, my thought was, I'd like to take the youth groups through some of these things and just like, what is it saying? What does it say to teach? What are we to teach? Now, I never did that. For no reason in particular, just that just I never got around to doing it. There was other things I felt were more pressing or like, let's, let's go this direction. Um, but, but now, I am at this point where I'm th- saying to myself, I want to teach these things. I want to teach what First and Second Timothy is saying, what it's, what it's saying here. This is going to be a mini-series, meaning three weeks today and the next two Sundays after this. So I'm not going to go in depth on First and Second Timothy, but there are a handful of times where I want to pull it out, and it says, teach these things. And again, if it says teach these things, what is it that we are supposed to teach? And wouldn't it make sense that we would teach these things? That's what I want to do. If you are a vacation Bible school teacher in a month here, if, if your job responsibility is to teach, doesn't it make sense that you would want to know? Well, give me the curriculum. Tell me, what am I going to be teaching? I want to know. If I'm a Sunday school teacher, wouldn't it make sense that I want to know what am I going to be passing on? What am I going to be teaching? That, that would make sense. If you're a small group leader, if you're a, a Bible study leader, what are you teaching? What are you to teach? It, it's kind of that with First and Second Timothy. There's these times where it says, teach these things. This is what we are to teach not the only thing we are to teach, but these are things that we are to teach. Um, I'm just going to note for you a few times in First and Second Timothy where it says, teach these things or something to that effect. First Timothy 4 verse 6, if you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you point these things out, if you teach these things, you will be doing your job as a servant, actually, diakonos, deacon. You will be doing a good job as someone who is called to be a servant, a minister of the gospel. Point these things out. Chapter 4, verse 11. Command and teach these things. It says it again. Chapter 6, verse 2. These are the things you are to teach and urge on them. This is what you are to teach. Then in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, it says, What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching. Chapter 2, verse 2. The things you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. 
Find those who are qualified. Allow them to teach others. Pass this stuff on. Um, Chapter 2, verse 14. Keep reminding them of these things. The sense of teaching these things. Chapter 3, verse 14. Continue on what you have learned and have become convinced of. Continue in these things that you have learned and been con- become convinced of. These things that you have been taught. And then chapter 4, verse 3. It says the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. The time is coming when people will not put up with it. Instead, what will they do? They will gather around themselves great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. It'll be, let's just gather people that we agree with. Let's just gather people that I like to hear from. And, and Paul is saying, ah, be careful. Be careful of this. This is a dangerous road. But again, these are the things that you are to teach. Before we jump in here, some background on First and Second Timothy. First Timothy was written by the Apostle Paul. It was written to, ding, 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 you guessed it, to Timothy. Timothy was what I would say, the word that comes to my mind is protege. You know, someone like a disciple. He was a young pastor. And we don't know his, his age exactly, but a lot of scholars would say maybe 30 give or take, perhaps. We know that Paul is actually getting up in age. This first Timothy was written between 62 and 66 AD. And and really quick, when you hear that, a lot of times in the church, I find that believers hear that and think, oh, that's 62 or 66 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Incorrect. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus would have been about 30 AD. So we're talking about 32 to 36 years after. And this is really one of Paul's last letters that he passed on to the church. Second Timothy probably was his final letter that we have that he passed on to the church, written about 67 A.D., and when you read Second Timothy, you get this sense that he's actually, he knows he's coming to the end. The, the, way, that he, the way that he writes it, he, you can just sense that he understands, I'm coming to my, the close of my earthly life here. And he is passing on to a younger pastor. Here are the things that you need to make sure are most important. Here is what you focus on. Keep these things in the forefront. This is what it's about. Um, Timothy, his mother was Eunice. We have that recorded in 2 Timothy. His grandmother was Lois. These are two women who were greatly respected, and Paul spoke highly of them. They had a great relationship with the Lord. Interestingly enough, nothing is said about Timothy's dad. We just don't know. We do know this. His mother was a Jew and his father was a Greek Gentile. We know that from the book of Acts. It's interesting that nothing is said of his his father, but his mother and his grandmother, Paul actually takes time in 2 Timothy chapter 1 to, to kind of praise him and say, 
this faith was passed on to you from your mother and your grandmother, and they are to be respected for that. Um, let's, let's jump into this, into 1 Timothy. And I'm going to focus this morning on chapter 4, verses 6 through the end of the chapter. And, and we, will, we will work through this. Um, and I will do the very best I can this morning. This is a message that was birthed in the Salem Hospital and OHSU. So my brain has been a little bit distracted at times. But this is God's word. And this is what I'm coming to this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. If you point these things out to the brothers... And sisters, you could add, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus. Stop there. If you point these things out, what things? If you point these things out, you're going to be a good minister. That's good. But what things are we talking about, Paul? Well, I think in a sense you could say it's the whole letter. But that would be true. It's, it's all six chapters and by the way, they didn't have chapters back then when this was written. It was just a letter. But it could be the whole letter, yes. But more specifically, it's really what came before this. And it, it's what comes after this. And what, what comes before this? I'm not going to read it, but you might see in your Bible, chapter 4, verse 1, it says... Um, Instructions of Timothy, the Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon their faith and follow deceiving spirits, things taught by demons. Those are interesting words, aren't they? People will abandon the faith. They will actually go with things that have been taught by demons. That's scary, isn't it? That that really is scary. Be careful of this. This is what will happen in the latter times, which... By the way, that's what we are living in. Um, be careful of this. Guard against this. Not everything that you hear is going to be in agreement with the word. It might sound good, but it's not going to be the truth. Guard against this. How do you identify false teaching? You identify it by conduct. By conduct. What, what, how are people actually living their life? The, the teachers, how are they actually living their life? Is there actually godliness that is accompanying this? Their, their lifestyle will speak. But you also identify false teaching by correct doctrine. You must know what is accurate, what is true, so that you can kind of navigate through false teaching to determine what is actually Legit or illegit? What is good or not good? What is true or what is false? Read on. If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, brought up in the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths And old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Stop there. Have nothing to do with old godless myths and wives' tales. Um, Like what was 
mentioned beforehand. What are some of the things before verse 6? Talking about people who were these false teachers. What were they teaching? Well, they were saying, you can't marry, and you've got to abstain from certain foods. And Paul is saying, he says, hold on a second. That's, that's not true. If God made something, it's good. Now, honor it as God intends it to be honored. Okay? God created marriage, so honor it in the way that God intended it to be honored. Food is good. Um, be thankful for it. Okay? He, he's saying nothing, everything God created is good. Nothing is to be rejected. He's saying be careful of these false teachers. This is probably aligned with some of those myths that he's talking about. Be careful of this. You're going to hear this. And, and it, was, it was in the church that Timothy was pastoring. By the way, the church that, that Timothy pastored, do you know what church it was? Anyone know? Ephesus. Yes, he was, he was the pastor in the church at Ephesus. Um, and, and he would have been exposed to false teaching. It would have been in his, his church. He would have had to really navigate through that. I think that's maybe the reason why, why Paul is saying before this, he says, hey, here are, here are standards on elders. This is what an elder is to be. Because you need to make sure that you have good leadership in your church to help navigate through what you're going to find in the church. But, but Paul is saying, Timothy, be careful. You're going to be confronted with ideas that might sound good. They have a form of godliness, but they're really empty. Be, be careful. Be on your guard. And how do you know that? Well, I want you to go back to the faith that really was passed on to you from your mother and your grandmother. That's the truth. I, I want you to root yourself firmly in that. That's what you should be holding on to. Verse 8, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Physical training, it, it has some value. Notice he's not saying there's no value whatsoever. No, it's, it's good. But if all you do is find your value in the fact that you are physically fit, it's going to be empty. Because this body is called a tent. It's, it passes away. But godliness, now that's something you can hold on to. That's something that's going to last. There's great value in this, in godliness. So grab on to godliness. How do you recognize godly teaching? It is that which produces godliness. It's going to produce it. It will be the fruit. I know that might sound like a no-brainer, but the people that I have the most respect for in my life are people that I can look at and I see the evidence of godliness. You know, I, I weigh very carefully someone's conduct with what they're saying. Talk is cheap. 
Show me by your lifestyle. Show me. Prove it. When I see it, I'm enticed to follow that. I think of a professor that I have a lot of respect for. I had a lot of professors I have a lot lot of respect for. But there's one in particular. I talked with him this last week. I have a lot of respect for him. Why? Well, he had me in his home a number of times. And, And I got to just see him outside of the classroom. And I was able to watch him with his family. And I saw the way that he related to them. And I saw godliness. That said, Nathan, you can pay attention. It's not that he has everything figured out. I'm not saying that. But when I, when I see that kind of conduct, it says to me, Nathan, those are the kind of people that are worth following. I have talked with people who talk a good talk, and yet I see the conduct, and I am unimpressed. And there's part of me that says, it's not that maybe what they're saying is incorrect. I'm just a bit leery of following Conduct is important. Train yourself in godliness. Godliness matters. This matters. It has value for this life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, verse 9, that deserves full acceptance. And for this we labor and strive. That we have put our hope in the living God who is a savior of all people. And especially those who believe. Is your hope In the living God, the Savior of all people. That's where we find hope. That is hope. Verse 11. Command and teach these things. Again, these words. Teach these things. Teach me. I want to be taught. Teach these things. Timothy, you are a young pastor. These are things that you need to teach. Are you ready for them? Teach these things. He says it again. Command and teach these things. What is he going to say? Verse 12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. He was young. I I think there's a good chance that the elders that that he was working with were probably older than him. And yet... And yet Paul is saying, Timothy, don't let people look down on you because you are young. Now, doesn't that almost sound funny? You and I cannot control whether someone looks down on us, can we? I mean, if someone's going to look down on us, they're going to look down on us, regardless of whether I give them their approval or not. They're not looking for the approval on whether they can look down on me or not. And yet Paul is saying, Timothy, don't let people look down on you because you are young. Meaning, I think what Paul is saying is, Timothy, you find your acceptance in God. You be a pleaser of God. You live for his acceptance, his approval, not the approval of people. So what they do with you, that's not what matters. Don't let your life be defined by that. You live to please the Lord. And Paul goes on and says, after he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. 
but set an example for the believers in speech and life and love and faith and in purity. Five things there that Paul is saying, hey, here is what you should be setting an example in. You set an example here. Timothy, you are a young pastor. You set an example here in these areas. Timothy, guard your mouth. Guard your mouth. I I think and I can sympathize with Timothy because I'm a young pastor myself. Maybe not as young as Timothy was, but still younger. I, I think as a young pastor, there can be a part of us that we have to guard our mouth. Why? There is, this, there is this tendency of wanting to pretend as though I have it all figured out. When the truth is, I don't. Timothy, guard your mouth, guard your speech, guard how you speak with people. Guard what comes out of this gate. Guard it. Guard your tongue. Be careful with it. Be careful how you speak with other people. Guard it. Timothy, set an example in how you live. That's conduct. Timothy, people are watching. Guard how you live your life. They're watching how you relate to other people. Was Timothy married? I don't know. Did he have children? I don't know. If he did, they're watching. Should they be watching? Yes. Should they be gracious? Yes. But is it okay they're watching? Yes. They're going to watch. You're in a, it's, when I was at Moldova, we used to say, you're in a fishbowl. People are watching. It's part of being a pastor. They're going to watch you. It's part of being in leadership. They're going to be watching you. It, it's part of it. This is what happens. Your conduct matters. You're not to be going after the approval of people. You are going after the approval of God. But your conduct matters, so live your life carefully. Set an example, Timothy, in this area. Be careful how you talk. Be careful how you live. Set an example, Timothy, by how you love. People notice how you love. People can tell. Timothy, are you loving people well? In the church family, outside the church family, are you loving people well? Or are you giving special favoritism to other people? Certain people. Timothy, do you see people in, on socioeconomic, with their socioeconomic status? Are you being more favorable to certain people and less favorable? Or are you loving people well? Timothy, you are to set an example here. You are to love people well. Timothy, set an example in your faith. Because, Timothy, people are watching your faith. And how your faith impacts all these other areas of your life. Your faith matters. And, Timothy, set an example in your purity. Timothy, you are a young man. You are to set an example in purity. Honor other people. Guard your mind. Guard your heart. Guard your eyes. Guard what images you take in. Timothy, guard yourself. Strive for purity. It matters. 
It matters. If you don't guard this, it's going to derail you. And by the way, Timothy, teach these things. Teach these things. And there might be part of us that says, if this is a letter, these are called the pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy and Titus. Titus is written to also another young pastor in Crete, Titus. If these, are, if these are letters written to these pastors, is it applicable for us? Absolutely. Because if Paul is saying to these young pastors, here are the things to teach, guess what the church body is going to be learning? These things. This is what the church family is going to be taught. These things. It goes on, verse 13, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and a teaching. Do you think that what we do here on Sunday morning is just simply tradition? Now, I, I understand that there is a certain amount of tradition in how we do things. But, but there is just a lot that is biblical We are instructed, publicly read scripture, preach it, and teach it. We are told to do this. This isn't just something that that the church thought, well, I think we need to fill up an hour and 15 minutes, so uh, I think we're going to do a special number of, here's a song, and we're going to take an offering, and you know, like, no, like, there's instruction, Timothy, you're a young pastor, Publicly read scripture. Timothy, preach the word. Timothy, teach the word. This is what you are called to do. Verse 14, do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. I can almost just hear Paul saying, Timothy, you remember when we laid our hands on you, And you remember when we declared on you the spiritual gift that you have. You remember that. And Timothy had to remember that. I remember when that happened. I remember when the elders laid their hands on me and said, you have been set aside for this purpose and we believe that you have this gift. And Paul is saying, don't neglect it. Don't neglect it. Do not neglect it your spiritual gift. When I came here to Kingwood, almost two years ago now, I can't believe, when I came here, after three months of being here, we spent one month going through spiritual gifts. If you were here at that time, you remember that. And, and a number of you even took a spiritual gifts test, not because that's the final answer that says, here's the gift I have, but just simply Let's, let's find out how are we gifted and let's see if we can be using our gifts that God has given us. Paul is saying to Timothy, don't neglect the spiritual gift that you have. Verse 15, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Watch your life, 
Watch your doctrine. It matters. It matters. It, it matters what you are being taught. It matters what you listen to. It matters what you believe. It impacts you. It impacts me. And Paul is saying to Timothy, a young pastor, Timothy, teach these things. Here is what you are to teach. Now, I was yesterday, I was up at OHSU and I was talking with one of my brothers um, in the room with my dad and uh, Asking me, he said, uh, "Did you ever? Were you ever able to get your message done?" Because he knew I was trying to find time to, to work on it. I said, "Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm good." And uh, he said, "Did you ever figure out what the one point?" Because we were talking about when you give a message, it's nice if you could summarize in one sentence. Here's what I want to have conveyed, and we were talking about that. And I said, "You know," I said, I- "I'm kind of close." He said, "Did you get it?" Nailed down to one sentence. <laughs> I said, Justin, I'm kind of close, but I said, you know what? When Paul wrote First and Second Timothy, it wasn't 2019. And Paul wasn't concerned about having one point. He was just concerned about conveying truth. And so there, there might be these, Paul will say, here you go, here you go, and here you go, and here you go. And for us in 2019, there might be this part of us that's like trying to to nicely weave this, okay, here's the one thing that he's trying to convey. Sometimes we can do that in the next three weeks here with the passages that we're going through. There's times where you might feel a little bit like, does that relate or not? In the end, I trust that you are going to see that it does. But again, that was not Paul's main concern because it wasn't the 21st century. But you know what? I think this is what Paul is saying here. Doctrine matters. What you teach matters. And if it matters what you teach, it matters what you're being taught. Who are you learning from? What sources? And, and you know what? We have the greatest source right here, the Word of God. And that, that's why I take great comfort as a young pastor, knowing that I don't have all the answers and I don't have to have all the answers. My job is to expound on the Word of God. This is what God says. This is what God has told us. This is what God has revealed to us. And that's what I'm going to teach. And that was what Paul was saying to Timothy. Timothy, I want you, for the health of your church, to teach these things. Why? Because these things matter. Can I give you a challenge for this next week? Read first and second Timothy. Take take a Take time. There's six chapters in 1 Timothy. There's four chapters in 2 Timothy. I read these books a few times, actually, over and over again this last week. Um, If I can give you a challenge this week, it's to do that. 
Take time, read through First and Second Timothy just to get an overview of what Timothy is trying to convey, or what, sorry, what, what Paul is wanting to convey to Timothy. Because that matters for us at Kingwood as well. Teach these things. Lord God, thank you that you are the teacher. Thank you that you um, have given us your word. You've given us instruction, the scripture. I thank you for that. Lord, help us to be people who are able to receive that which we hear and apply it to our life. God, uh, doctrine matters. What we believe matters. I pray that what we believe is grounded in the truth of Scripture. May that be. Because we are confronted, like Timothy was, with people that were confronted with false teaching. And in order to navigate that, we must know this is what God has revealed to us. Here's the truth. So, Lord, give us deep roots in the truth of your word. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.